0: Let me ask you, as we begin today, how are your ears? How good is your hearing? Now, we're going to be spending the next few moments under the preaching of the Word of God. So let me ask you, do, did you come here to hear God today? Is hearing His voice important enough to you that you will give Him your careful, undivided attention to the preaching of His Word? Let me ask you, do you listen as if your present happiness and eternal blessedness depend on how you hear and respond to the Word of God? That's what we're considering today. No questions could be asked more important than these. Let us listen to the preaching of the Word of God as if our very life depends upon it. Because it does. I invite you to open your Bibles this morning to Proverbs chapter 1. Some weeks ago we've engaged in a s- series of studies from the book of Proverbs. We're actually doing something of an exposition of the first chapter because it sets the stage for everything that follows. We're going to jump in at verse 7 and then read through verse 19. And then we're going to consider verses 20 and 20. ...through 33 in our exposition this morning. The theme of the book of Proverbs is the fear of God. It's writ large throughout these chapters. It's hard to find a page in which it is not plainly stated or alluded to. And we meet with the first statement of that here in chapter 1 in verse 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge... Fools despise wisdom and instruction. My son, hear your father's instruction and do not forsake your mother's teaching. Indeed, they are a graceful wreath to your head and ornaments about your neck. My son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. If they say, come with us, let us lie in wait for blood. Let us ambush the innocent without cause. Let us swallow them alive like Sheol, even whole as those who go down to the pit. We shall find all kinds of precious wealth. We shall fill our houses with spoil. Throw in your lot with us. We shall all have one purse. My son, do not walk in the way with them. Keep your feet from their path, for their feet run to evil, and they hasten to shed blood. Indeed, it is useless to spread the net in the eyes of any bird, but they lie in wait for their own blood. They ambush their own lives. So are the ways of everyone who gains by violence. It takes away the life of its possessors. And so last couple of messages, we've considered this exhortation to young people to hear their parents' faithful instruction from the Word of God. We saw that in verses 10 through 14 that faithful parents will describe the tempter's methods and motives And in verses 15 through 18, that these faithful parents will expose these tempters' true character, that they are savage, and that they are stupid. They are savage, they are ready to do harm to others. They're stupid in that they entrap themselves in their own folly. They spread a net for others, and they step in it, and they're taken captive by their own wickedness. And then we saw in verse 19 that, Faithful parents warn of the tempter's dreadful end. It takes away the life of its possessors. Now this morning we come to consider verses 20 through the end of the chapter. And what we're going to look at is wisdom's passionate appeal. Wisdom's passionate appeal, appeal to reject Folliness, folly and wickedness, and rather to embrace the truth, to follow the teaching of the Bible, to inherit blessing and not cursing life and not death. We're going to have five points by way of exposition and application sprinkled throughout But notice first of all in verses 20 and 21 that wisdom shouts at us to get our attention. Wisdom is that important that it shouts at us, we are so foolish that it must raise its voice in order to get our attention. Verse 20 Wisdom shouts in the street. She lifts her voice in the square. At the head of The noisy streets she cries out at the entrance of the gates of the city. She utters her sayings. Well, what is assumed here, brothers and sisters, is that we are all fools by nature. We were fools at birth. All people everywhere always need to hear and heed the truth. Do you know that even our father Adam in his unfallen state needed to hear and to heed the word of God? God didn't create him and then just let him go to do his own thing, to do what is right in his own eyes. He had to be told what is right and exhorted to do it. He heard and obeyed the Lord's directions to carry out His stewardship by subduing creation. He and his wife heard and obeyed God's command to be fruitful in the bearing of children. Adam also heard a fearful warning from the mouth of God. He was promised eternal life upon his obedience From every tree in the garden, he was permitted and encouraged to eat, but one. Death was threatened upon his disobedience that upon the day that he ate from the forbidden tree that he would surely die. So God spoke, and so Adam died, and so all men died in Adam. Our first parents' rebellion against God cast its shadow upon all mankind down to the end of the age. We are all conceived in sin. We are born in wickedness. We speak lies as we come from the womb. We need redemption. We need to be made right with God. We need a new heart from God. And that is because each one of us is born in sin. Surely, if our first parents, who were created in innocence and with original righteousness, if they needed to hear and to heed the word of God for their very life and happiness, so must the rest of us who are born sinners, with the sentence of death upon us and under the wrath of God. Let us be sure of this crucial fact of life that we face heaven or hell, we face life or death. Indeed, these realities hang in the balance before us, whether or not we hear and heed the word of God. Hear and live is the message of the Bible. Let us be sure of this crucial fact as we go to the preaching of the Word of God today. May God give us big ears. May He give us receptive hearts. May He give us obedient feet. Since tragic impact upon our lives is all too plain, the book, this good book teaches us what we've come to know by experience, that sin makes fools of us all. It makes us averse... To God's wisdom, and it makes us receptive to the folly of the devil. It makes us tone deaf to the Word of God. We readily hear the voice, the hiss of the evil one. We hear the voice of this world calling us away from God. And therefore, Jesus would often cry out He who has ears, let him hear. The simple fact of the matter, because we are born into this world as sinners, God must give us ears or we simply will not hear. He must give us wisdom that we may truly live or we will die in our folly. Now earlier in Proverbs chapter 1, we noted wisdom's pulpit in the home of godly parents a holy home in which parents truly love God's Word, parents who live what they teach their children from the Bible. That is the Lord's primary seminary for young people. If children do not embrace wisdom at home, they rarely do later in life. Let me speak to you children. Hear the Word of God from the mouth of your parents. Believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. You're not going to be hearing that, what you hear across the dinner table and from this pulpit and in the living room of your homes. You're not going to hear that out in the world. You're going to hear a far different message. Run with us. Look at verses 10 through 19 here. That's the kind of world that's outside your door. Embrace the truth at home. Because when you leave, statistics say that you probably won't. About 80% of Christians are saved before they reach their 21st birthday. And not a few who profess to love the Lord while young later abandon the faith after they leave their homes. This fact is grieving, but it should not be surprising. Our Lord's Sermon on the Four Soils teaches that of those four soils, only one was good soil. All of them received the word, but the word didn't put down roots and bear up fruit unto eternal life. In three of the four, indeed the Lord Jesus, who was the most faithful preacher of all, Many who once seemed to receive his word later rejected the truth and walked no longer with him. Think of Demas and Judas. How privileged they were, one to have the Savior as his counselor, the other an apostle. But one went to his own place having hanged himself, descended into hell, and the other, having loved this present world, forsook the apostle. Demas and Judas have many children yet today. Wisdom that speaks in the home, yet speaks outside its doors, in the busy highways and byways of life, And brethren, how this demonstrates the kindness and long-suffering of God. He is not willing that any should perish. He takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but rather that they turn from their evil way and live. How foolhardy then are those who refuse to recognize the time of their salvation and sin away the day of grace. The door of salvation will one day shut upon those to whom God has graciously appealed and to whom his wisdom has cried. And that is why the prophet cried out to all needy, bankrupt sinners in his day, Isaiah chapter 55, beginning in verse 1 Ho, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters, and you who have no money, come, buy, and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. So, why do you spend money for what is not bread and your wages for what does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me, God says, and eat what is good and delight yourself in abundance. Incline your ear and come to me. Isn't that what Jesus said? Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I'm gentle and humble of heart. Then he writes, Seek the Lord, verse 6. Seek the Lord while He may be found. Call upon Him while He is near. What's the implication? That God isn't always going to be near. He's not always going to be found. Let the wicked forsake His way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts, And let him return to the Lord, and he will have compassion on him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. The Apostle Paul said as much, that the grace of God is greater than all of our sin. Why will we not taste and see that the Lord is good? Why do we push him away? It's because of sin in our hearts. Wisdom shouts to you with a voice of grace, with a language of love. Let me ask you, do you hear His voice this morning? Do you hear that voice? Do you embrace His offers of mercy? Let me ask you, are you listening? Notice secondly in verses 22 through 25 that wisdom rebukes us for wasting precious opportunities. How long, O naive ones, will you love simplicity? And scoffers delight themselves in scoffing, and fools hate knowledge. The exhortation is plain. Turn to my reproof. Behold, I will pour out my spirit on you. I will make my words known to you. Because I called and you refused... I stretched out my hand and no one paid attention and you neglected all my counsel and did not want my reproof. There comes a day, and I would say an eternity of remorse for those who send away the day of opportunity and spit upon the word of God. Seek him while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Sin makes folly appealing, makes wisdom repulsive. How many drink down wickedness and they gag on righteousness? The naive pride themselves that they reject wisdom. Scoffers think themselves wise in mocking God's truth. Fools hate knowledge, they love folly. They instead value the wicked and the worthless. They call evil good and good evil. They're deaf to all that is wise and true and good. I don't want any part of that. Don't talk religion to me. I don't want to hear your Bible. But a wise person he's far otherwise. He values God's wisdom. He treasures His truth. He hides it in His heart. He repents of His foolish thinking. He turns aside from His wicked behavior. He doesn't argue with the Lord when He points out His sin and calls Him to repentance. He's honest with God because He's honest with His sin. He's honest with Himself. He doesn't dodge God's reproofs. He doesn't rationalize his sins. He doesn't shift his blame to others. The other person made me do it. He is willing to be stripped bare before the eyes of God with whom he has to do. He's honest with God. We'll never come to God unless we're honest with God. And so he rejects folly. And he embraces the wisdom of God. That is the true, truly smart man. The one who's honest with God. Honest with sin. Honest with himself. What a tragic loss of life. What a wasted life is described in these verses. Wicked men and women choose folly over wisdom and therefore death over life. You see, God speaks and they plug their ears. "I don't want to hear,,." Wah, 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 wah. And so what they do is, figuratively or literally, they put on the headphones and they turn it up to drown out the voice of God. They want to live in their own undisturbed, godless world. so they snub the one who would cry out to them graciously who offers them the spirit of wisdom indeed the holy spirit who is wisdom let me ask is this you this morning is this me if this is you you are putting the long suffering and mercy of God to the test, and you're daring God to damn you. You cannot snub God's gracious offers of mercy and wisdom and salvation without great guilt. If that is you, you display a criminal hardness of heart. You're impenetrable. You're imp- Patience with God, your impiety, your impenitence, it's moral madness, it's, it's suicidal. It demonstrates that you have a death wish. Moses called a wayward Israel to account in the presence of God. He knew where they were going to go after they entered the promised land. They were going to go away from the Lord. Moses could see it. He says, I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, the blessing and the curse. So choose life in order that you may live, you and your descendants, by loving the Lord your God, by obeying His voice, and by holding fast to Him. For this is your life and the length of your days. Deuteronomy 30 and verse 19. And within a generation, they had apostatized, turned away from God. Every man doing what's right in his own eyes. I trust you understand that you cannot escape personal responsibility for for your rejection of God's wisdom by blaming the devil. Eve tried... But God didn't buy her excuse. And he will not buy our excuses either. Listen to this man. He writes, If persons ruin themselves by their folly, it will be no excuse to them that they were cheated by the great deceiver. Who will excuse Eve for hearkening to the voice of of the serpent, or Adam for hearkening to the voice of his wife in opposition to the voice of God. The simpleton and the fool are justly condemned because they love simplicity and hate knowledge. So strongly are they bent upon their foolish courses that they comply cheerfully with every suggestion of the devil. They love sin with their whole heart and utterly hate those truths with Uh, which might be the means of their salvation. So they spit in the eye of God and they say, "I I don't want your forgiveness. I don't need it. I will carry on my life as I will. Thank you. Thirdly, we see that wisdom mocks us in our calamity for clinging to our folly in verses 26 and 27. I will even laugh at your calamity. I will mock when your dread comes, when your dread comes like a storm, and your calamity comes on like a whirlwind, when distress and anguish come upon you, when they grab hold of you, shake you like a dog, and turn you every which way but loose, I'm not going to be there to help. In fact, I'm going to mock you then. Brethren, God's long-suffering is long, but it is not eternal. It is blessedly long. God gives us enough rope to either pull ourselves back to Him or hang ourselves. The sun will set on the day of grace. God will finally reject those who have continually rejected Him. One day he will withdraw withdraw his offers of mercy and the door to salvation will be shut and no man can open it. Tragically, the very wisdom sinners reject prophesies their doom and promises that divine retribution waits for them. They will realize when it is too late that they have sinned away the day of grace and now face God's eternal judgment. And notice that God will give these fools what they gave him. He's going to pay them back in coin. He called and they refused. He offered them mercy. He stretched out His hand in kindness. He offered them the wisdom that leads to salvation, which is by faith in Christ Jesus. But they would have none of it. You see, they have sown the wind and what? They've reaped the whirlwind. Payday is coming. One day they will call upon God, who called upon them, but He will not hear. Mr. Gill observes that God visits them by way of retribution, measuring measure for measure, even as they scorn him and delighted in their scorning Now he in his turn will laugh at them and their distress. He shall not at all pity them, show no compassion to them, and have no mercy upon them, but rather express a pleasure and delight in displaying the glory of his justice in their destruction. The plain sense is that no favor will be shown to them. Brethren, this last part of chapter, of the first chapter of Proverbs... is one of the most frightening in all of the Bible. It should raise the hairs on the the hackle of, of your neck. It should make your blood run cold... if you think of the practical implications of it... for each one of us, especially for me, right? The God who takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked... does take delight in the display of His justice... So we read elsewhere, Psalm 2 and verse 4. The psalmist writes about them who take their stand in counsel against Jesus, refusing to submit to Him as God's appointed Messiah. They want to throw off His cords. They want to do their own thing. They snub God in His offers of mercy. Psalm 2 and verse 4. So he who sits in the heavens laughs and scoffs at them. They laughed at him. They scoffed at him. Now he laughs at them and scoffs at them. Psalms 37 and verse 13. Speaking about those who plot against the righteous and gnash against him with their teeth. The Lord laughs at him. Why? For he sees his day coming. Please be assured, you who scoff at God's wisdom, you who treat his offers of mercy with contempt, you who persecute his beloved people, you who reject his law, you who snub his gospel, one day you will be carried away in a tornado of terror. But be encouraged, you who embrace the wisdom of God, who walk in the fear of God, who obey the word of God, who love the people of God. There's a blessed promise for you. And the warning and the promise are put back to back in one of the Proverbs. Proverbs 10 and verse 25 When the whirlwind passes, the wicked is no more. You've all seen pictures of the recent hurricane down in Florida. You've seen pictures of tornadoes that have ripped through towns and farms, and they've stripped them completely bare. There's hardly a stick of wood around, and if it's found, it's stuck in the side of a tree. When the whirlwind passes, the wicked is no more. But the righteous has an everlasting foundation. What a terrible threat to the wicked, but what a blessed promise to the righteous. And you have one of those two options. There's no middle. Fourthly, wisdom threatens us with just punishment for our foolish living. We should expect this as the argument continues. Verse 28 through verse 32. Then they will call on me, but I will not answer. They will seek me diligently, but not find me. Why? Because they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. They would not accept my counsel. They spurned all my reproof. So they shall eat the fruit of their own way and be satiated or glutted with their own devices. For the waywardness of the naive shall kill them and the complacency of fools shall destroy them. Verse 19, So are the ways of everyone who gains by violence. It takes away the life of its possessors. They set a trap for themselves. Those who stop their ears to the voice of God, who reject the gospel of Christ, who refuse to be made wise unto salvation by faith in Jesus Christ, they will face a day of reckoning. And so many are whistling in the dark, dark, They know their wicked lives, and they've got away with it for so long. They think the judgment day is never coming. It is. It's over the horizon. They're living in the day of grace. Mercy is open to them, but they snub God. They won't embrace Jesus Christ. They won't turn from their sin. It's never going to happen to me. You see, I look back. I have a, a hardly a, a, a. I have an unbroken string of yesterdays. I'll have an unbroken string of tomorrows. And God's not going to find me out. Somehow, I'm going to escape. Everything's going to be fine. That's the lie of the devil. God repeatedly warns those who repeatedly provoke Him to his face, one day he will stop his ears to the cries of those who now stop their ears to his pleadings. He's going to pay them back in their own coin. Ezekiel eight eighteen. Therefore I indeed shall deal in wrath. My eye will have no pity, nor shall I spare. And though they cry in my ears with a loud voice, yet I shall not listen to them. Oh, dear ones, how dreadful will be the howling of the damned, those who refuse to receive the gospel of Jesus Christ will receive a just sentence from God. They chose folly over wisdom. They chose hell over heaven. Dear people, let us respond by faith in Christ and obedience to His truth as if our very lives depend upon it because they do. We cannot reject the teaching of the Bible without God rejecting us. Woe be to us if we turn a deaf ear to the Scriptures. Jesus, our Savior, said these words, He who rejects me and does not receive my sayings. You see, if you don't receive Jesus' sayings, you you reject him. If you embrace him, you embrace his sayings. Jesus says, He who rejects me and does not receive my sayings has one who judges him. The word I spoke is what will judge him at the last day. Sober words, are they not? Mm-hmm. You who think that you can mock God, reject His wisdom, delight in folly and rejoice in wickedness and yet escape His judgment, think again. God will not be mocked. Galatians 6, 7, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that will he also reap. O, we'll be warned. Know that by rejecting the wisdom of the gospel, you are digging your own way into hell. Finally, wisdom promises freedom from fear to those who heed her call. Verse 33. But he who listens to me shall live securely and shall be at ease from the dread of evil. You see, wisdom concludes her impassioned appeal with a word of promise and of hope to those who embrace her. It's not an empty promise. It's laden with blessing. The prodigal son in our Lord's parable never made a wiser decision than to leave the pods and the pigs in the far country and return to the safety, security, happiness, and love of his father. Please know that you are in deadly peril every moment you are away from Christ. Your decision to reject the Lord's wisdom places you... On the high road to destruction. But I hear you say, I, I've never rejected Jesus. I've always had kind thoughts about Jesus. I think he was a pretty good guy. In fact, I think he was the son of God. I don't have any doubt about that. I've been taught that from the dawning of my consciousness. Around the kitchen table, dandled upon my daddy's knee, taught in catechism class. I believe those things about Jesus. I've never rejected him. But the fact is, you are damned because you've never received him. You've never trusted his saving mercies. You've never taken his easy yoke upon you and learned from him and found rest for your soul. Jesus had a lot of those kind of friends in Palestine and today they're in hell. I never said anything bad about Jesus. Well, have you ever called upon him to save you from your sin? All of Jesus' supposed friends turn out to be his enemies. Jesus is often damned with faint praise From the unconverted Oh, I like Jesus I don't have anything against Him Well, if He is who He says He is He commands you to bow your knee before Him To confess your sins to Him To receive mercy from Him You see, not to run to Jesus On the feet of faith and repentance Is ultimately to run away from Him Kind thoughts of Jesus are no substitute for desperate trust in Jesus. You must have Him now. You must have Him all. You must have Him always. Or you're no Christian at all. And tell them, then you are yet dead in your sins. You are without life. You're without hope. You're without Christ in this world. And you are utterly undone in your sins. Looming before you is a certain terrifying expectation of judgment and the fury of fire which will consume the adversaries. Here again, when the whirlwind passes, the wicked is no more, but the righteous has an everlasting foundation. Let me ask you do you want to live securely? To have the blessing of a blood-washed conscience. No fear of death. Trust Christ. Don't trust yourself. Don't trust your intentions of the future, your promised reformation. None of those things can save you. Only Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Oh dear prodigal, cease your suicidal flight from Christ. If you turn away from His proffered mercy, you will meet His promised judgment. Return to the Lord. He will receive you. You will never be truly happy, genuinely content. Know the peace of conscience which belongs to those who are right with God, until you come to Jesus Christ to be saved. Oh, that God, by His effectual grace, might open your eyes to see His kingdom and make you wise unto salvation. Only then will you be safe for time and safe for eternity. Listen to the pleading of God through the pen of of Solomon. Proverbs 3, beginning in verse 21. My son, let them, that is his teachings, not depart from your sight. Keep sound wisdom and discretion. So they will be life to your soul and adornment to your neck. Then you will walk in your way securely and your foot will not stumble. When you lie down, you will not be afraid. When you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. Do not be afraid of sudden fear, nor of the onslaught of the wicked when it comes. For the Lord will be your confidence and will keep your foot from being caught. Hear the exhortation, the impassioned exhortation of the wise father once again as we conclude. Brother John read this in our hearing earlier. Proverbs 8, beginning in verse 32. Now therefore, O sons, listen to me, For blessed are they who keep my ways. See, wisdom is speaking, speaking to his sons, speaking through the mouth and by the pen of Solomon. Heed instruction and be wise and do not neglect it. Blessed is the man who listens to me, watching daily at my gates, waiting at my doorposts. For he who finds me finds life and obtains favor from the Lord. But he ends with a warning. But he who sins against me injures himself and all those who hate me love death. What do you love? May what Paul writes of Timothy... Be true of you, dear children. May your parents be able to write about you what Paul writes about this young man who had learned the fear of God at home. Second Timothy 3 and verse 15. And that from childhood... You have known the sacred writings which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. Can that be written of you? Is this true of you? Young people, is this your testimony? Are you safe from the wrath to come? Are your sins forgiven? Do you possess the Holy Spirit as proof that you are a true Christian? What will death and the day of judgment mean for you? And I speak to all the rest of us. How is it with your soul? How is it with my soul before God? Because one day we're going to have to stand before him with whom we have to do. We can't escape that day. Let me ask you, are you a child of wrath or a child of grace? Are you in Christ or are you in your sin? Are you ready to meet God? Let's pray. For, Father, these are sobering words. They're sobering because they come from your inspired scriptures. Oh, may they gain our attention. May we go from here not as we came in. Oh, may we hear the voice of Jesus Christ promising life to those who embrace him and threatening certain death to those who reject him. Let us Receive him and receive his word and be saved. Let us entrust our never dying souls to him who said, Come to me, all who are heavy laden, and you will find rest. All who come to me, I will in no wise cast out. Oh, may this be the day of salvation for those who know they're not Christians or may think that they've been Christians and now you've found them out. We thank you that the day of grace is still upon us. You promise mercy to all who come to you, Lord Jesus. And we pray that any here this morning that have been found out by the word of God, you would grant them a feet of faith and repentance to run to Jesus Christ and be saved. Oh, might this be the day of salvation. Now is the accepted time. And we pray any that are not sure would cast their souls upon Jesus Christ. Make certain of your calling and election this day. Test yourselves to see whether you are in the the faith. Do not go out through these doors until you have settled that issue in your own soul by casting your soul upon Christ that you might be saved. For we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.